0: Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. It was great seeing so many of you at Art Basel this past week. It really is the best art fair in the world in terms of the caliber of art on view, whether it's new art by rising artists or more established blue-chip art. Almost all the galleries bring their A-games. Overall, the sales were very strong. However, talk about the stock market decline and Overall, economic concerns did make its way into several of my conversations with galleries and collectors. We'll just have to see how the next 6 to 12 months play out, but so far, the art market remains strong. And in this week's episode of the podcast, we recap several facets of this year's iteration of Art Basel with Naomi Ray, European Market Editor at ArtNet News. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for listening. thanks so much for chatting with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So this is the first iteration of the fair in its summer spot since before the pandemic started. Tell us, how did it feel to be there? Was it similar to pre-pandemic additions or did it differ in certain ways still?
1: I think, you know, largely uh, it did feel like a comeback for Art Basel. That was what everybody was saying, you know, oh, Basel's finally back. It's summertime. We can eat asparagus. And, you know, there are more people than uh, the last edition, which was in September, about nine months ago. And I think at the end, the attendance figures um, reported by the fair showed that there were more people, I think it closed out with something like 7,000 people, which is about 10,000 more, 70,000, sorry, about 10,000 more than last uh, edition. I think it did feel like that. It felt like there were a lot more people. It was nice and sunny and there were no masks, no COVID checks. So it definitely felt more similar to kind of pre-pandemic editions in terms of what it looked like. But I think, you know, uh, it still wasn't exactly the same. Uh, You know, it felt buzzy, but it wasn't quite as as hectic in the first kind of hours of the fair. I think, you know, we've all been lost Locked up inside for a couple of years. So everything kind of feels more exciting and, and buzzy uh, than usual. But I think if you do remember kind of pre-pandemic opening hours of Art Basel really kind of felt like you, you've got to elbow your way in front and you've got to be there on the sand if you want access to the best pieces. Whereas I think now, over the last two years, there has been a lot of changes in the way kind of commerce is conducted. I think there were a lot of pre-sales. There are always, of course, uh works that are pre-sold before the fair, but I think, you know. Uh, a lot of um, galleries were still unsure of exactly how much attendance we were going to get. You know, we're, we're still in a pandemic if it's not, um, you know, we're not completely out the other side. So I think there was kind of action in the first moments of the fair, but it wasn't exactly the same as it used to to, to feel. And I think, you know, one of the um, interesting things to look at is, you know, the art on view, Um I think one of the things in September that people complained about a lot was unlimited, which was the section of the fair where you usually get these kind of very monumental, exciting installations. And and last year, Um, there was a lot of complaints about it being quite, you know, two-dimensional, the work that was brought, which I think a lot of that had to do with logistical issues. Um, Things like shipping during um, the pandemic were still difficult, and I think it definitely felt more like uh, pre-pandemic editions of the fair in, in what was on view at Unlimited, but not quite as spectacular as it once was. So I think the overall sense is that, you know, we're back, it's better than it was, but I don't know if you can say that it's exactly how it used to be.
0: And just from a geographical perspective, where were people traveling from for this Art Basel? Travel has, of course, been severely limited the past few years, but did people come from all parts of the world for this year?
1: Yeah, I think, again, just looking back to one of the the biggest takeaways from last September was everybody was kind of complaining about the fact that, you know, while there were a lot of European visitors, the pandemic restrictions meant that it was Practically impossible for a lot of visitors to come over from the U.S. Um, or from Asia, and I think that um, this time people definitely there was a, a strong American presence. I think actually right before uh, the fair opened, uh, the restrictions on returning to the U.S. changed, that meaning that American visitors no longer had to get a COVID test before they went back home, which I think was very reassuring for anyone who might have been uh, concerned about getting stuck in Switzerland. And I think on the fair floor there was it was. You know, there was uh, a lot of uh, Asian collectors were present. I think, you know, a lot of people from Hong Kong and um, Singapore and uh, South Korea. Um, And even there were some Chinese collectors on the floor. Although I do think that because of the uh, ongoing restrictions with China, which are quite um, stringent, a lot of the Chinese visitors would have been in Europe anyway or, or planning to stay in Europe for a longer period of time. Um, and I think, yeah, it did It did feel like there were a lot uh, more people. But again, I think, you know, if you actually look at the numbers, it can tell you, you know, a bit more than what it felt like. So I think it was uh, we closed out with 70,000 people. Um, but the 2019 edition of the fair, I think, had 93,000 visitors. So I don't think you can say, you know, exactly uh, like the numbers were exactly the same. But geographically, there was definitely more diversity than last year.
0: And so if we shift our focus to the sales aspect of Art Basel, how were sales at the fair this year and what were some of the most noteworthy ones?
1: Yeah, I think sales were good. Um, and Art Basel is kind of one of the fairs that uh, is usually, you know, you're going to get the highest prices. Um, and so uh, it's not astonishing to be seeing, uh, you know, sales reported in the seven and even eight figures. And I think, you know, you uh, in the beginning of the fair that definitely uh proved to be true um Hauser and Wirth reported a massive sale of their um they had a big louise an 11 foot tall louise bourgeois spider sculpture kind of hovering over their booth um and they reported a sale that um 40 million sale of that um, in the first few hours of the fair, which I think that they had obviously lined up someone that they had in mind ahead of time that they closed at the fair. Um, over at Pace, I think there was a beautiful picture um, by Joan Mitchell, uh, which sold for 16.5 million. Um, and David Werner had Felix Gonzalez Torres's light bulb sculpture, um, Untitled Tim Hotel, which I think they sold for uh, 12.5 million. And there were kind of multi-million uh, dollar sales at, at all of the, uh, a lot of the other um, major galleries as well. I know that White Cube placed uh, 5.5 million basilits, Um, and I think uh, Xavier Hafkins, who've just started representing Milton Avery's estate, sold um, a painting for 2.5 million there. So I think a lot of big splashy sales, and I think uh, even uh, in, on the kind of uh, mid mid-range and lower end of, of the scale, you know, a lot of the galleries reported to have sold well.
0: Yeah, and in your recap on Artnet News about the fair, you really touched on an interesting trend in the market relating to younger versus established artists. How did that play out at the fair this year? And you also, interestingly, discussed a change in exhibitor rules by Art Basel that may have actually furthered this. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, um, there was a a change in the rules. So Art Basel relaxed its um, participation requirements for galleries that were able to apply. It meant that um, galleries who had not been open for uh, longer than, I think min- previously galleries had to be open for three years before they were eligible to apply and they dropped that down and galleries didn't have to have a permanent space. So I think that that made it easier for galleries, um, who most of whom are younger, to apply. And I think it resulted in 19 first time exhibitors um, coming to the fair um, one of those was the Paris and Chicago-based Marianne Ibrahim and uh, Guatemala City's Proyecto's Ultravioleta. Um, and I think that younger galleries obviously are going to bring, tend to bring younger artists because, you know, that's that's kind of how, how that works. Um, but all of that was kind of going on on the upper floor of the fair, which is generally kind of where the younger artists uh, tend to be shown anyway. I think to answer your question about kind of noticeable, uh, that a reflection of that noticeable um, trend uh, in in interest in younger artists was most visible downstairs, which has historically kind of been the domain of the secondary market, kind of the blue chip, conservative, established material, you know, very classy, we're classy, we show side Twombly, we don't, you know, indulge in any any of that nonsense um, of this younger artist or this untested material. I think that that completely changed during the pandemic. There was Uh, a massive thirst for kind of young blood and a lot of speculative buying at auction pushed up the prices for a lot of young stars. And we saw as a result, you know, a lot of blue chip uh, galleries kind of broadening their um, stables and and, uh, taking on a lot of young artists. And I think that you could really see this uh, development in the juxtapositions on the first floor in hour one of day one of the fair. Uh, I mentioned this kind of uh, 11 foot towering Louise Bourgeois spider sculpture at at Hauser and Worth. Um, And, you know, surrounding that, you could see paintings by young stars like Avery Singer or Rashid Johnson. Um, And over at uh, Thaddeus Ropak, you could see, you know, similar dynamic playing out. Um, You know, you have these established um, artists like Rauschenberg and Baselitz uh, facing off with young uh, artists like Alvaro Barrington and Rachel Jones. Um, and, you know, I mentioned the Cy, Cy Twombly over at White Cube, there was also Christina Quarles and Michael Armitage and at um, Michael Warner, you could see this in play with, I think, I, mean, I think they had A.R. pank and Sigmar Polk and uh, young artist Florian kruer So I think it definitely felt different in that respect. I think that's downstairs where you really saw that emerging dynamic coming into
0: play. There's a lot of economic uncertainty in the world right now. Collectors and dealers have been asking me about it recently and if I've seen any weakening in the market. I'm curious to what extent did this economic uncertainty permeate into the fair, whether in terms of sales or at least conversations about its potential impact on the market either now or in the future.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it is it's important to know, you know, this is uh, at the fair Obviously, uh, there's kind of a focus on on commerce and, and popping champagne and this kind of uh, lifestyle luxury element. Nobody really wants to be talking about recession because they're trying to make... Uh uh, sales, But as a journalist, obviously, something that I'm aware of is that especially at the beginning of last week when Art Basel opened, you know, the uh, stock markets were, stock market was cratering, um, prices of cryptocurrency, you know, continuing to crash. And that was all kind of going on in the background behind the popping champagne corks. Um, and, um, of course, inflation is the other thing which, you know, we've been feeling for a while, but it's, it has been accelerating. So I Asked pretty much everyone I spoke to at the fair, you know, whether that was a dealer or an advisor or a collector or, or whoever, um, about you know what their take was on on this kind of recession that we all know is is coming downwind, um, and I think on the sort of booths I got the sense that galleries still weren't really uh, feeling. Uh, this yet you know of course nobody's going to say oh business is terrible but it it did seem like you know they were still placing a lot of work um, and you know not too concerned. Um, I did get a kind of different take from what my conversations with art advisors and with collectors I think at least for the European and American buyers it seems like there is a kind of psychological impact of a recession uh, or the fears or anticipation of a recession has kind of begun already and a lot of them are kind of thinking about Switching up the kind of things that they are looking to buy, kind of strategically, maybe leaning away from the kind of more speculative buying or, or risk taking that, that they have been uh, doing over the past 12 months. Um, and thinking, you know, more about consolidating their collections, maybe putting the money that they do have, you know, for buying art towards something that is a bit more guaranteed to either hold its value or, or appreciate it in value. So perhaps more kind of conservative purchases.
0: And with the fair wrapping up over the weekend, what would you say was the overall sentiment at the conclusion of the fair about where the market stands as we head into the summer?
1: Yeah, I think that the fair, you know, sales went well. So it definitely kind of felt like the market was in a good place. But I think it's exactly kind of what I was just talking about right now. Um, A recession is... It's not necessarily going to spell too much uh, trouble for the art market. I think historically, recession hasn't always been the worst thing for the art market. A lot of people who have a lot of money will be looking to diversify their portfolios, maybe take money out of the financial markets and put it into tangible assets. A lot of that, you know, could be art, and a lot of people bet on art as a good hedge against inflation. Whether that, you know, ultimately. Uh, it is true. In the end, it's kind of debatable. But I, I think you know, uh, it could be that a lot of people are actually looking to buy more art, and um, that could be good for the market. But I think. It's the kind of art that they're buying um, that will will change and I think that we'll have to watch out for um, as we go into the coming months. I think if we do see, you know, research suggests, I think, that material in the like 100,000 to 1 million price range um, by established kind of brand name artists uh, tends to be the most recession proof. Um, so where the pain It is most likely to be felt in the market, could be in the emerging sector, um, and as always in the middle market, with buyers kind of more likely to feel the squeeze of the recession, you know, there um, than uh, the ultra wealthy. But I think it's too early to say exactly what will happen. I do think that, you know, some of those emerging stars who were really enjoying, you know, uh, $3 million prices um, at auction, you know, when I'm just a couple of years out of art school, I think that what they're, they're seeing is, is probably going to change, but again, I think it's, it's, too, it's too soon to say definitively how buying behaviour will respond to something that is coming downwind. But I think, you know, definitely what we see in the coming months and, and, and how the next kind of season starts off will give us a good indicator of where the market stands.
0: Naomi, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast and helping us recap this edition of Art Basel. If our listeners haven't already, I definitely recommend they check out your article, Recapping the Fair, as well as all of your articles in Artnet News. And you're also on social media, often talking about the art market. Where can we find you there?
1: Yeah, my Twitter and Instagram handles are both at Naomi K. Um, and you can also listen to uh, me speak on the Art Angle, which is Artnet News' podcast as well.
0: Perfect. And yeah, always happy to promote other art world podcasts. Naomi, thanks so much again. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.